0: Chapter 8, Jefferson's Notes. I know you already know this, but sometimes it's important to put things in context so they really make sense. Britain had ended slavery, at least in England, but not in the British colonies. America refused to do so. Britain looked at America as dumb. America said, mind your own business, Britain. Britain said... You are my business, America. America said, well, we can change that. And in 1776, before anyone could spell, we want slavery, Thomas Jefferson, who at the time was a 33-year-old delegate to the Second Continental Congress, sat down to pen the Declaration of Independence. At the beginning of the Declaration, He paraphrased the Virginia Constitution, every state has one, and wrote, all men are created equal. Bears repeating, all men are created equal. Say it with me, all men are created equal. But were slaves seen as men? And what about women? And what did it mean that Jefferson A man who owned nearly 200 slaves was writing America's freedom document. Was he talking about an all-encompassing freedom or just America being free from England? While these questions hung in the air, slaves were taking matters into their own hands. They were running away from plantations all over the South by the tens of thousands. They wanted freedom, and guess who was to blame? Wait, first of all, guess who should have been blamed? Slaveholders, obviously. But Thomas Jefferson and other slave owners blamed Britain for inspiring this kind of rebellion. He'd written into the Declaration all the ways Britain was abusing America, even stating that the British, though arguing against slavery, were actually trying to enslave white America. But remember, Jefferson agreed with slavery only as an economic system. I mean, he'd grown up with black friends for goodness sake. So he also wrote into the declaration, the anti-racist sentiment that slavery was a cruel war against human nature, but that part and parts like it were edited out by the other more established delegates. Over the next five years, The Americans and the British fought the Revolutionary War and while British soldiers stormed the shores of Virginia looking for Jefferson, he was hiding out with his family, writing. Imagine that. The man who wrote the document that further fueled the war was hiding. As my mother says, don't throw a stone, then hide your hand. Jefferson was definitely hiding his hand but he'd show it shortly after because while hiding from Catcher, he decided to answer a series of questions in writing from a French diplomat who was basically collecting information about America because America was becoming America. And instead of just answering the questions, Jefferson decided to flex his muscle to tell his truth. He titled his book of answers Notes on the State of Virginia. In it, he expressed his real thoughts on Black people. Uh oh. He said they could never assimilate because they were inferior by nature. Uh oh. Said they felt love more but pain less. Uh oh. That they aren't reflective and operate only on instincts. Yikes. That the freedom of slaves would result in the extermination of one of the races, i.e. a race war. Uh Uh-oh. And the answer to the problem of slaves was that they should be sent back to Africa. So much for his black friends, huh? The ones he'd known to be intelligent blacksmiths, shoemakers, bricklayers, coopers, carpenters, engineers, Manufacturers, artisans, musicians, farmers, midwives, physicians, overseers, house managers, cooks, and bi and trilingual translators. All the workers who made his Virginia plantation and many others almost entirely self sufficient. Surprise, surprise. Oh, the best part? He didn't intend to publish these notes widely, but a small, devious printer did so without his permission. Surprise, surprise. When it came to black people, Jefferson's whole life was one big contradiction, as if he were struggling with what he knew was true and what was supposed to be true. In 1784, Jefferson moved to Paris. His wife had died and his old Monticello home suddenly felt pretty lonely. He was exhausted from his grief and years of being hunted by the British. So he did what he always seemed to do in moments of crisis. He ran to France. As soon as he made contact with the French foreign minister, he sent word home to his own slaves to speed up tobacco production in hopes that French merchants could pay back British creditors. On one hand, Jefferson was telling his slaves to work harder. And on the other hand, he was telling abolitionists that there was nothing more he wanted than an end to slavery. And while he was busy playing the good guy, promoting, defending, and ensuring that the French knew America was becoming America, and also having a good old French time, back home there was a convention taking place in Philadelphia to talk about the new constitution. Turns out, Jefferson's declaration resulted in years of violent struggle with the British, but more important, it exposed a weak American government. So this constitution was supposed to define it and solidify it. But before it was set in stone, there had to be a series of compromises. One, the Great Compromise. This one created the House and the Senate. Two senators per state. House of Representatives based on population. The bigger the population, the more representatives each state could have to fight for its interests. This causes issues specifically between Southern states and Northern states because they aren't sure how to count slaves, which leads us to number two, the three fifths compromise. The South wanted to play both sides of the fence. On one hand, they didn't want to count slaves as people. But instead wanted to count them as property because the greater the population, the more taxes you have to pay. But on the other hand, they needed more population because the greater the population, the more representation they got. And with more representation came more power. And the North was like, nope, slaves can't be human because the North didn't have as many slaves and therefore couldn't risk letting the South have more power. So the compromise was to create a fraction. Every five slaves equaled three humans. So just to do the math, that's like saying if there were 15 slaves in the room on paper, they counted only as nine people. This three fifths of a man equation worked for both the assimilationists and the segregationists because it fit right into the argument that slaves were both human and subhuman, which they both agreed on. For the assimilationists, the three-fifth rules allowed them to argue that someday slaves might be able to achieve five-fifths. Wholeness. Whiteness. One day. And for segregationists, it proved that slaves were mathematically wretched. Segregationists and assimilationists may have had different intentions, but both of them agreed that Black people were inferior. And that agreement, that shared bond, allowed slavery and racist ideas to be permanently stamped into the founding document of America. While all this was going on, Jefferson was in France, chilling. That is, until the French Revolution broke out. At first, he didn't mind the French unrest. If anything, it made him happy to know America wasn't the only warring country. But then it spilled over into Haiti. and That was a problem. A big problem. In August 1791, close to half a million enslaved Africans in Haiti rose up against French rule. It was a revolt like nothing anyone had ever seen. A revolt that the Africans in Haiti won. And because of that victory, Haiti would become the Eastern Hemisphere's symbol of freedom, not America. And what made that frightening to every American slaveholder, including Thomas Jefferson, was that they knew the Haitian Revolution would inspire their slaves to also fight back.